Hebrews 13:8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't know about you, but I can sure use that Jesus Christ. Um, as we go into the prelude, let's just meditate on what and who and Jesus is to us. Yeah. 
Hold on, my God. How I need you now. Truth. For those that love Christmas, today's worship service is for you. Just a little taste of Christmas during the summer today. We at First Church would like to welcome you, whether you are here in person, listening on the radio, or watching on Facebook. We are blessed that you're a part of our service and hope that you feel God's love and presence while you worship with us this morning. For the announcements, please look over the bulletin for items that may be of interest to you. A few to note. The blue jug here in front is for the Kentucky Flood Aid. It's still out today. Donations go through Samaritan's Purse, who is providing aid to the region. The white rose um, on, the honor, on the altar is in honor of Ian Logman, who is being baptized this morning. He is the son of Zachary and Paige Logman. I got the full name. That's the spelling and wording I got, Zach. We welcome the Layman and Logman family here today to celebrate this sacrament and special day. The red rose on the honor uh, altar is in honor of Orville and Bonnie Height, who will be celebrating 54 years of marriage on uh, August 24th. Happy anniversary to you. The bouquet of flowers on the altar is in honor of Marilee Eversman, who will be celebrating her 85th birthday on August 23rd. Happy birthday, Marilee. Uh, Due to the rainy weather expected this afternoon, junior and senior high youth, your Bible study will be in the youth room at 1 p.m., so note that. And with that, if you would uh, uh, rise and join me in the call to worship. It is taken out of the ninth chapter. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness... A light has dawned. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of this government and peace, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and his kingdom, establish and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now let us sing our opening hymn, number 125, Joy to the World. the 
Amen. You may be seated. This time I'd like to invite forward Ian Mitchell Lagerman and his parents, Zachary and Paige Lagerman, for holy baptism. We'll make room up here, right? This will work. We're so glad that we get to do this in our service this morning. Um, As we celebrate baptism, it's a reminder of the sacrifice that Christ made for us on the cross. The waters of baptism symbolize the shed blood of Christ, washing away our sins and forgiving us and purifying us from all unrighteousness. And the sacrament that, that Christ instituted is a reminder of that promise and of that hope. And so I invite you to hear these words of Jesus, an invitation and promise offered to us all. He says in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to us. Therefore, go given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. It's in obedience to this command that the church baptizes believers and their children. On the day of Pentecost, after receiving the Holy Spirit and and preaching that first sermon, Peter says this, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children, and all, all who are far off, all whom the Lord our God will call. And so having heard God's gracious promises to us in Christ, do you desire that Ian be baptized this morning? We do. Praise God. Now, Ian is obviously not old enough to make a profession of faith himself, although he does look very cute wiggling around. He's staring at all of you. I don't know if you guys can see that or not. He is fascinated right now. Um, But so in his stead, we invite you to answer these following questions as a profession of your faith and the faith that you promised to pass on to him. Do you truly and earnestly repent of your sins and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Do you believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, and the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life? Do you you intend to be Christ's faithful disciples, trusting his promises, obeying his word, honoring his church, and and showing his love as long as you live? And will you devote yourselves to the church's teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers? Praise God. Now, church, I invite you to join with us in this statement of faith from the Apostles' Creed. I invite you to repeat these words with me. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray together. We thank you, O God, for the gift of life. We thank you for this family and for this child being baptized today. You, Lord, are the author of life and the giver of every good and perfect gift. 
Through, your de- through the death and resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, you have made it possible for us to be accepted into your family. I pray that you would bless and sustain this child. Draw him to yourself just as Jesus welcomed the children during his ministry. May he grow to know, love, and serve you with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we also pray for his parents that you would equip them to fulfill the promise they make today. Bless and sustain them as they teach their children to know and love you. All this we pray in the name of Jesus, your beloved son. Amen. So since you presented Ian for baptism this morning, we ask you the following questions before God and his people. Just a reminder again, and this is um, the vow that you're making or this promise that you're making for Ian, for Emmett, for all of you guys. It's, it's about raising them to know the Lord, trusting in him as Lord and Savior. And so do you promise to instruct Ian by word and example with the help of the Christian community in the truth of God's word and in the way of salvation through Jesus Christ? Do you promise to pray for him and teach him to pray? And do you promise to nurture him within the body of believers as citizens of Christ's kingdom? We do. Praise God. And congregation, you have a responsibility as well. You have family and friends out there. You have a church family here to witness this. And we all have a part to play. We believe that parents are the primary disciple makers in the home. You know, this is responsibility that you guys and your immediate family have to to raise them in the Lord. But you also have extended family and a church family to love and support you in accomplishing that mission and, and offer a show of support as they seek to raise Ian in the Lord. Brothers and sisters, as we receive Ian into Christ's church, I charge you to nurture and love him and to assist them to be Christ's faithful disciples. With joy and thanksgiving, we now welcome you into Christ's church, for we are all one in Christ. We promise to love, encourage, and support you and to help you know and follow Christ. Here's the moment of truth right here. Hey, buddy. Ian, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Let's pray together. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the gift of salvation that is made available through his death and resurrection. We thank you for the symbol of baptism, which reminds us that you wash away our sins and give us new life as we put our trust in you. We pray that we pray for Ian, bless and strengthen him daily with the gift of your Holy Spirit. Unfold to him the riches of your love, deepen his faith, keep him from the power of evil and enable him to live a holy and blameless life as your kingdom comes. May he grow to know, love and serve you with all of his heart, soul, mind and strength. And we also ask that you look with kindness on Zachary and Paige. Let, him always, let them always rejoice in the gift that you've given them. Grant them the presence of your Holy Spirit that they may bring up Ian to know you, love you, and serve you and his neighbor. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, congratulations, guys. We have a rose on the altar for you and a Bible for you guys to take home and read with your children. And so um, we're just so happy to, to come alongside you in this moment here today. So congratulations again. As they go and find their seats once more, I invite the children to come forward for children's chat with Pastor Tori.
Good morning. Good morning. All right, let's try that again. We got school this week. We got to be excited. Good morning. Good morning. So much better. So much better. Okay, so when you were born, you were given something very special. And it's something that you use today, and it's something that you'll use for the rest of your life. Can anyone tell me what that might be? Love? No. It's your name. Your name is special, right? It helps us know who you are, right? We know that this is Josephine, right? Because that's her name. And so you were given that name uh, by your parents. Have any of you ever asked your parents why they named you the name they gave you? Yeah? What'd they say? Okay, so you were named after someone. Is anybody named after like a grandparent or cousin or someone in your family? You were named after a great You were named after someone in your family? Yeah, our names are special, right? Sometimes our parents just really like those names and they give them to us. Sometimes they're named after someone. Uh, but our names are special. And you know who else has a really special name? Jesus does. And he actually has a lot of names. Um, And Jesus was given his name before he was born. So Jesus was God's son. And many, many months before he was born, God told Joseph and Mary that they were to name him Jesus. And the name Jesus means that the Lord saves. And so this name was important because Jesus saves us from our sin, right? And Jesus had a lot of other names too. Do you guys know any of his other names? God. God. He's also called the Prince of Peace, the Wonderful Counselor, Christ. All of those names help us to understand who Jesus is, right? The Shepherd, the Good Shepherd, absolutely. And so he was also called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And we kind of talk about this name a lot at Christmas time, but we're going to talk about it today too. Um, so Isaiah 7:14 says, "Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign: the virgin will conce- conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel." So Jesus' name Emmanuel is one of my favorites because it reminds me that I'm never alone. Emmanuel means God with us. It means that Jesus is always with us. So Jesus was not only sent to save us from our sins, but He's also with us all the time. So you all have a pretty important day this week, right? What day is that? School. First day of school. Is anyone excited? Raise your hand if you're excited. I'm excited for the second day of my birthday. <laughs> the second day is your birthday. Happy early birthday. Thank you. Uh, uh, is anybody maybe a little nervous for school to start? It's okay if you are. That's all right. But I'm really glad that we're talking about this day because this remind Jesus, his name Emmanuel, reminds us that no matter what, he's always with us. When we have Jesus in our heart, we are never, ever alone. So he's with you when you wake up in the morning. He's with you when you go to bed, on the bus, at school, at practice, all the time. He's with us even when we're nervous or scared because he's with us all the time. And so because he's with us, we can talk to him whenever we want, right? We can thank him when we have a good day. We can pray to him when we're maybe having a tough day or we're getting a little nervous for the first day of school. And so He's always, always with us. So as you start school this week, I want you to remember that no matter what, Jesus is always with you because he is our Emmanuel. He is God with us. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, I just thank you for these kids. I thank you for the school year coming up, Lord, and I pray that you would just be with them. Lord, remind them that no matter what, that they are never alone, that you always go with them, that you are right beside them every step of the way. I pray that they would have a good first week of school and that you would bring us back together next week. We love you, and we thank you for all that you are and all that you do. Amen. Amen. You kids can head back to your seats. Thanks, Pastor Tori, for that children's chat this morning. A couple more announcements just to highlight before we take up our offering this morning. Uh, you'd probably notice on your way into the sing- on the way into church this morning that the Operation Christmas Child boxes were back out. Um, it is that time of year again. I know it may seem early, um, but but we're collecting those boxes here over the next couple months so they can be ready to be shipped out and delivered um, in early November. So uh, feel free to take as many boxes as you, as you can or want home with you today and in, in the weeks to come. Pack those boxes and bring them back here to the church. As we've done in years past, we will cover the cost of postage for boxes that are packed and, and dropped off here at First Church. And so we invite you to um, pack as many as you can or as many as you feel led to do and bring them here and, and as a way to support that ministry. Uh, those boxes end up going to countries all over the world, and they're not only a practical support and practical help, but they also come with the gospel message. Every child that receives that box is taught about the love of Christ and the, the gospel message. So we're very grateful for that as well. So I encourage you to participate in that and collect boxes, uh, pack boxes, and bring them back here for collection over the next couple months. Also, just want to remind you of the, the gathering that's happening after the service next Sunday, August 28th. Um, Mr. Ken Kroller will be here. Um, he is the grandson of um, Gilbert and Cornelia Schreer, who are missionaries to Japan, uh, that First Church supported many years ago. And so he's going to come and share a bit about the family, the ministry in Japan, and the connection here to New Knoxville. So that's going to be happening after the refreshments. Um, there's a, a family here in, in the church that's going to be providing some Japanese beans. And, and from what I understand, the seeds were originally from Gilbert and Cornelia Schreer, bringing them back home from Japan and, and being planted here for, for many decades. And so um, just a really kind of a cool, uh, neat connection to their ministry uh, that we can enjoy next week. So if you're able to stick around after the service next week, I encourage you to do that. Join us in the social room for that time. Our offering this morning does support the junior and senior high youth ministry. Um, if I encourage you to give as you feel led to give as the deacons collect our offering this morning, and we're grateful for Mr. Terry Wisman blessing us with special music on the organ.
Amen. You may be seated. Before we go to the Lord in prayer this morning, I just want to take a moment um, and acknowledge our, our teachers and faculty and staff that work in a variety of districts around New Knoxville. Um, some of you have already begun teaching this year. Some of you will be starting in the coming weeks. And so I just want to take a moment and ag- acknowledge you and pray for you as we go to the Lord together in prayer. So if you're a teacher, administration, faculty, staff, if you're, if you are involved with or work at a school in any sort of way, I invite you to stand now so we can see you and recognize you. Wonderful. Thank you. We thank you so much for your hard work, your dedication and raising our children, teaching our children. Um, And we want to take a moment and pray for you now as we also go to the Lord and lift up our other prayers and concerns too. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you, especially this day for um, our schools, our teachers, administration, staff, faculty, Lord. Um, There's so many that are involved in and caring for and teaching our children. And we ask, Lord, that you would bless them as a new school year begins. May you give them wisdom and, and patience and energy, Lord. Um, we just thank you, Lord, for the gifts that you've given each one of them and how you've uniquely created them and placed them in those positions to have an influence on our children and our youth. And so we pray for a special blessing upon them as they begin a new school year. May you um, guide and direct them, Lord, and may you help them to be a light in, in those school districts. May they shine the light of Christ, Lord, through their actions, through their attitudes, through the way they interact with others. And may you use them, Lord, to make an impact in their schools. We also think of our, our students as well as they begin a new school year. May you bless and equip them to learn and to grow, not just in information, Lord, but but in how they interact and treat others. And may they too be a light in their schools. May they shine for you, Lord. May they not be ashamed of your gospel and of your truth. Lord, we we trust and and believe that you are good and gracious. As as we're going to talk about here in just a moment, and as Pastor Tori reminded us in the children's chat today, you, Lord Jesus, are our Emmanuel. You are God with us. And we trust and believe that you are with us everywhere that we go. So whether it's schools, whether it's our other workplaces, our homes, the grocery store, Lord, you are with us wherever we go. And so help us, Lord, to see you working in our lives. We thank you for your presence through your Holy Spirit that we can know and have a relationship with you. And help us, Lord, to not take that for granted and not ignore, Lord, your presence in our lives. Father God, we trust that you are you are faithful, that you are good, that you are the same God yesterday, today and forever. And so because we know you have been faithful to your people in the past and we have experienced your faithfulness ourselves, we trust that you will continue to be faithful to us in the present and in the future. And so, Lord, we ask for your blessing upon um, the the names uh, that are represented in our prayer list, the, the families and the situations that are there. For those that mourn the loss of a loved one, we pray for comfort and peace. For those that are in need of healing, we pray, Lord, that you would heal them and bring healing to their bodies. 
Lord, we praise you for the way that you have answered prayers and the ways that you have worked in our lives. And we praise you and thank you for your goodness and your mercy. But Lord, we trust that your greatest blessing is not in physical healing. It's not in material wealth or provision, although those are good things. Your ultimate blessing, Lord, is in your son, Jesus Christ, and his death and his resurrection, and the salvation that is made possible through him. As we witnessed in the baptism today, Lord, you have shed your blood for us. And that promise is for all who trust and believe in you. And so we thank you for that good hope and that promise. And we pray that that hope sustains us in whatever circumstances we find ourselves in. Lord, we thank you for this church family. We thank you for the many people who lead behind the scenes and, the, and those that, that um, actively participate, Lord, in, in, in a multitude of ways. Even with the... There is, there is those who lead in an official sense and those, Lord, who lead in, in maybe a more informal sense. And we thank you for all of those who give and, and use their gifts and talents for your glory. We thank you for each and every one of them. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Invite Anita forward for a scripture reading. The scripture reading for today comes from Isaiah 7:14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. The second verse is John 1:14. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Anita. Let's pray together again as we turn to his word. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word now, uh, both from the Old and New Testaments here. They point to one truth, that you are our God who is with us. We thank you for that. And as we reflect on that over the next few minutes, we ask for your blessing upon this time. May your Holy Spirit open our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. And may your Holy Spirit also give me words to speak that are not for me, but from you. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So as you notice with our call to worship this morning and our opening hymn, we're having a little bit of a a Christmas and summer feel today. But as you can see why, uh, we're talking today that Jesus is our Emmanuel. And that's a big theme at Christmas, right? We, We reflect on our Savior Jesus Christ being born, right? Coming to this world to, to live and to die and to live again for us. But the reality is that that's not something we should celebrate just at Christmas time. I, I heard a story that happened, um, I think it was just shortly before I moved to New Knoxville. Pastor Kim Katterheinrich was here filling the pulpit kind of during that transition time. And, uh, and he had made a comment once that 
that it's a shame that we only sing Christmas hymns at Christmas. There's so many good hymns. There's so many good songs that have so, such important theological truths that it's a shame that we only reserve those for a few weeks out of the year. And, and I don't remember which hymn it was, but apparently the, the person organizing the service that day chose a Christmas hymn to sing. It didn't tell him about it either. <laughs> so it kind of caught him off guard and surprised him. But we can sing songs like Joy to the World all year round because Jesus is our Emmanuel. He is our God with us. And that is an important truth that we need to celebrate all year round, not just for a few weeks out of the year. And so... Today, we're going to be looking at that. We've, you've heard read already several passages that are very uh, maybe familiar to you at Christmas time. We're going to take a moment to look at them a little bit more in depth and then what we may learn from them, why it's important for Jesus to be God with us. And so let's begin by looking at Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Again, you just heard that read. It's a, it's a prophecy given during the time of King Ahaz. And it's a prophecy about a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Again, this is, so this is a sign that was given within a historical context in Israel's history, right? There was, uh, Israel was, excuse me, Judah, the kingdom of Judah was, the southern kingdom was surrounded by enemies. And King Ahaz was, was worried about what would happen. Would the Lord rescue him? Would the Lord deliver his people? And so the Lord gives them the sign, this virgin will conceive and give birth and he will call him Emmanuel. The sign was meant to be a promise of God's salvation and deliverance from those enemies. And, and what we have come to understand and believe today is that there was both an immediate fulfillment to that promise as well as a future fulfillment. So the immediate fulfillment was that God did rescue Ahaz and Judah from their enemies at least for a time being, right? We know that at one point Jerusalem was conquered, was destroyed, and the people were brought into exile. But here and now, God did rescue his people from those, that immediate threat. But we also understand that that verse wasn't just talking about that time period, but it also pointed forward to a future deliverance, to something even greater than deliverance from physical enemies. The event also pointed forward to God's salvation through his Messiah, through Jesus. You see, deliverance from, from military enemies is one thing, right? And that is a good thing, right? To be physically spared from destruction and war and violence. But there's something even greater going on here in this promise. Something even greater than deliverance from a military foe. And that is deliverance from our sin, and that connection is made explicit in Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 through 23, which Pastor Tori also referenced during the children's chat. This is the angel speaking to Joseph, Mary's fiance, right? And, and, re, and teaching him and telling him that that child is born of God, born of the Holy Spirit. And he will be called him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. And then he goes on to quote this very passage from Isaiah 7:14. And that's why he's called Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's what Emmanuel actually means. It literally means God with us. And, and that name points to a very important theological truth, right? That God took on flesh and became like one of us. That God isn't just a God who is far off and distant, unconcerned with human affairs, but that he came down to earth 
in order to rescue us from our sin. And so when we talk about Jesus, we're not talking just about a human being, right? Jesus wasn't just a good person who lived a moral life. He was God himself in the flesh. The, the eternal word, the eternal son of God, both fully human and fully divine. Both natures fully existing within the person of Jesus Christ. And so we have passages like Isaiah 7 and also Isaiah 9, which was read for our call to worship, which point forward to this future promise. But then we see that promise ultimately being fulfilled in the New Testament and the Gospels in passages like John 1.14, which remind us, remind us that the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, that we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Right, The word from John chapter 1 is that eternal. And now this word is being made flesh when he was born of the Virgin Mary. He took on a human nature. He was human in all the ways that we are, except for one thing, that he didn't sin. Jesus experienced the full range of human experiences. He was born. He grew up. He felt emotions. He hungered. He thirsted. He laughed. He cried. He even suffered and died, yet he did all of that without sin, not one trace of sin. So the word made was made flesh and made his dwelling among us. That word made his dwelling among us is, is a word related to the tabernacle in the wilderness. A tra- you could actually translate this, that the word was made flesh and tabernacled among us. For those of you who don't know, the tabernacle was the, the mobile temple that God's people used to worship as they traveled through the wilderness and all the days up until the temple was built in Jerusalem. It was, it was a, a large tent with specific dimensions and construction, and, and it was in that space that sacrifices were made. It was at the very center of camp, the very center of Israel's life. And although God's people understood that God was present everywhere in all of creation, he was particularly present within the tabernacle and especially in the Holy of Holies at the very center. In fact, God's presence was physically represented with a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire as they traveled through the wilderness. And even when the temple was dedicated by King Solomon, it was a, it was God's glory in, in the form of a cloud that filled the temple to remind them of God's presence in his glory. And so when the, when John, as he's reflecting on, on Jesus becoming a human being, right, as the son of God dwelling among us, he uses that word tabernacle to remind his readers of the very presence of God in their midst. They no longer have a pillar of cloud or a pillar of fire, but they have Jesus who reveals God's glory and directs them where to go. See, Jesus is now the representation of God's presence and glory among his people. In Hebrews 1, 3, the author says, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things, by his powerful word. So we believe that Jesus is God in the flesh. What does that mean for us though? How do, what, what implications does that have for us who, who trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord? 
Well, first of all, and I've already hinted at this, is that Jesus is the very presence of God with his people. See, that's the uniqueness of Christianity. Every other world religion, the goal of every other world religion is for us as human beings to somehow earn our way to heaven, right? Earn our way to into God's presence. But the uniqueness of Christianity is that God came down to earth to be with us in order to rescue us from our sin. It's not about us ascending to heaven. It's about heaven coming down to us in the form of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is the very presence of God with his people. And so he reveals the Father's glory and makes him known. I've already read Hebrews 1, 3, but John 1, 18 also says, No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Right, the New Testament over and over and over again reminds us that if we want to know what God is like, if we want to see the Father, we don't have to look any further than Jesus. Right? He is the exact representation of God's glory and his goodness. And it says in, in John 1 that, that Jesus came full of grace and truth. Right? Those aren't opposing ideas. In Christ, those two things are held together. Right? The truth is that God is holy and righteous, that none can compare to him, and that he cannot and does not tolerate sin in any form. But yet the grace of God is that Jesus took on flesh in order to rescue us from the power of sin and death, that he defeated the enemy, that he destroyed the power he has in our lives, and he redeems us and restores us into a relationship with God. And so as the presence of God with his people, he reveals the Father's glory, but he also establishes a relationship with his people. Just as the tabernacle was the center of the camp of the life of God's people, Jesus also lived among his disciples. And he continues to be present with us in a very real way through his Holy Spirit. He makes promises to us like this, that in Matthew 18, he says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be there also. And in Matthew 28, as he, commissions his disciples, as he commissions his disciples to go out into the world, he says, Behold, I am with you to the very end of the age. It is through Jesus, the one mediator between God and man, that we can have a relationship with the Father. And as his presence among his people, Jesus is also a source of strength and comfort and peace in all circumstances. Jesus calmed the storm. He washed his disciples' feet. He was called a friend of sinners. And in Matthew 11, he he invites us, each one of us, to come to him, to lay our burdens down at his feet. For his yoke is easy and his burden is light, and we will find rest for our souls. So whatever situation you find yourself in today, whether, whether you are joyful, whether you have things to celebrate, Jesus is in the middle of that with you. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you're dealing with an illness. Maybe you are dealing with family drama. Jesus is in the middle of that with you. He is the source of strength and comfort and joy and peace in all circumstances. So Jesus is the presence of God among his people. Jesus is also the source of salvation for his people. You see, that's why the incarnation was necessary. That's why God needed to be with us because it is in his humanity and his divinity that Jesus saves us from our sin. As a fully human being, he was able to pay the price of sin for us because it is human beings who sinned and rebelled against God. 
But as fully divine and fully God, he was able to pay the debt that none of us could pay for ourselves. We owed an infinite debt that no human being could pay on their own. And so Jesus stepped in as both fully human and fully God, able to pay the price of sin. So he is the source of salvation for his people. Galatians 4, verses 4 through 7, remind us that at just the right time, God sent Jesus to rescue us, to to be born under the law, to redeem those under the law, to make us children of God. See, that's what Jesus did for us. And it's only possible because he took on flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus is the presence of God among his people. He's the source of salvation for his people. And finally, Jesus also sends his people out on mission. In John chapter 20, verse 21, after his resurrection, Jesus meets with his disciples and he says, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. See, we're called to live on mission just as Jesus lived on mission for us. We're called to have an incarnational ministry. We're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. Now think about this for a second. In your workplaces, in your families, when you're out at the grocery store, right? you may be the only glimpse of Jesus that some people ever see. There's people that you probably interact with on a regular Bible. They don't know who this Jesus person is, but they know you, right? And they see you. And they see how you act and they see the way you treat other people. They hear the words that are coming out of your mouth. And so you have an opportunity to share Jesus with them through the way that you live. The church is often called the body of Christ, right? We are members of that body. Jesus isn't here walking the earth anymore in the way that he was with his disciples. But we are his body that's walking the earth. And through the presence and power of his Holy Spirit, he enables us and equips us to live on mission for him, to share the good news of the gospel, to to proclaim his truth and his grace and his mercy through our words and our actions and in the way that we treat other people. You may be the only glimpse of Jesus that some people ever see. And so we better make sure that we are representing him well. Ed Stetzer, a, a, a pastor, a, he's a, he, he studies, uh, he's, no longer, he's not serving as a pastor at this moment, he's a professor, but he is a, a, does a lot with missions and evangelism, and, and he was one of the keynote speakers at my conference a few weeks ago, earlier this summer. And one thing he said stuck with me, he says that we don't want to be a cul-de-sac on the Great Commission Highway, right? God's, the message of God's Uh, salvation is meant to travel through us to others, right? But the last thing we want to be is a cul-de-sac, right? We don't want it to end with us. We don't want it to be a dead end stopping with us. We want the good news of the gospel to flow in us, through us, and to everyone else that we meet. And so we as Christians need to commit to something greater than ourselves. I believe that God is on the move. His kingdom is advancing, and we are called to be ambassadors for Christ. 
And so we need to live like it. Just as Jesus came into the world and took on flesh in order to save us and redeem us, we need to carry on his work in the world because there are people that need to still hear the good news of the gospel. Jesus is our Emmanuel. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity we have to hear from it this morning. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you did take on flesh and dwell among us. That you are that you are the very presence of God with your people. And you continue to be so through the presence of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the salvation that you've made possible through your death and resurrection. May all who hear my voice this morning know and understand that for themselves and put their trust in you. And we thank you that you also send us on mission. That that the call to make disciples doesn't end with us but continues through us. Help us, Lord, to be ambassadors for you in every place that we go. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. We have a couple songs this morning that we're going to close our service with that help us to reflect on God's goodness and his faithfulness to us. So the first song I invite you to stand and join and sing with us is the goodness of God.
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. You may go in peace.